You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. In it, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I'm talking to Mike Schussler remotely. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Richard. Very good to have you on the program. And I know that you are something of a radio buff because while you were at university at what was then the Rand Afrikaans University, you were involved in their radio station. Uh, yes, Richard, I was. I, I wouldn't say I was a radio buff. I, I, I enjoyed uh, the broadcasting and the playing of music. But I learned a lot, uh, you know, how to uh, talk to people, I guess. I um, forgot some of that as well. And, uh, yeah, we were very much involved in the music scene at university. And um, you often, for example, used to play in a, uh, an amphitheater with uh, an orchestra, if I remember correctly, many decades ago. And uh, I think we were, um, maybe not, with, uh, uh, you know, this was a bit early maybe uh, for, for you, but um, I think it was Cloffendall Amphitheater, we had... Uh, we promoted some of the music that was there on that radio station just to, you know, and, and also at City Hall, uh, more the rock shows at City Hall at that stage with PJ Powers and yeah. Hotline and the like. Yeah, we used to do regular concerts at uh, Rao or UJ as it became. So you attended some of those. That's amazing. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly which. But I, I remember a concert of yours which you were doing uh, popular songs uh, and the classics. Yeah. You were combining it, and I think the the uh, people from Mango Groove, or the lady from yeah. Mango Groove, yeah, yeah, was yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. singers. Yeah, fantastic. Well, but, but what you were doing at university was not studying music, because UJ no. doesn't have a music department, but you were studying economics, which is what you've made your life to be. Uh, just tell us what it is that you do within economics. Well, I, I, I sort of interact with statistics and economics. And having been an economist for a long time, I know where to get a lot of statistics. I know how to work with statistics. So I've developed quite a few indices over time that people have used, either provincial. There's one I do for Banks of Africa, which is the Economic Transaction Index and Take-Home Pay. And then we also do a freight transport index with C-Track. And, uh, you know, I've been very lucky in that I've been able to put these new things together and that way um, get clients. Uh, because I think, you know, for a lot of economic houses, they only do consulting. And that means it's feast or famine. And I do have a bit of feast or famine, maybe, but I at least have the underlying income um, in the terms of the, the indices that I do, Richard. Now, one of the uh, interesting things that you do also is uh, follow budgets, national budgets, which we've just had recently. And I just want to hear from you, perhaps first up, was it a successful budget from your point of view? I think our finance minister is trying very hard, as many others before him have, uh, to put a, a very good amount of shine on this budget. Uh, but it's all going to sink and fall whether we can keep to those promises. 
And the main promise um, that's going to make uh, this budget sink or swim is not whether we get uh, the vaccines necessarily on time or whatever. It is all about the wages of the public servants. Uh, servants. At the moment, um, or um, uh, before uh, the, the COVID hit us, uh, our public servants were getting about 30% more, just over that, in fact, about 34% more than the person in the private sector. And uh, that tells us that we shouldn't be, um, or, or that, that, it, that they're being paid a lot. And I think that's where he's going to have to uh, really get a lot of political support. Because if it doesn't work, this might be our last chance for even further downgrades, which would not put us into, uh, when we're already in a junk status, it could put us into highly speculative uh, status, um, which is like uh, worse than junk. And uh, we'll feel that pain in higher and higher interest rates. In world terms, is that an unusual situation that public servants get more than in the private sector? No, uh, not necessarily. Um, for example, in the UK a few years ago, it was about 8% more. In Germany, I think it was about 12% more at one stage. Um, but it's not always um, more. There are cases where it is less. I just can't uh, think of a country right now. Um, but what is unusual is that um, that level of sort of breaching 25% or 20%. That's what's unusual. And uh, for the longest time, for nearly a decade, our public servants have been paid at least 20% above uh, the private sector. And they were, in our term terminology, in our history, they were about 5% uh, above uh, the private sector, say, in uh, before the, the financial crisis of 2008. Um, since then, they've had very big increases compared to the private sector. And um, last year, it was ab absolutely an unusual year where a lot of people in the private sector had salary cuts. So, you know, you, you probably find that the public service, when we get the yearly figures in, in a week or two's time, um, we'll probably find that they're around 40% more. Wow. Um, so that just puts it into perspective. But in 2019, 2018, it was about 34% more, which is very unusual. Well, so your first choice of music tonight is probably quite appropriate then because it's you and me and taxpayers who are paying for the public servants. So your first choice is Weeping. Let's listen to it, and then you can talk to us about that. Here comes Weeping. That was the famous song Weeping by Bright Blue, the first choice of Mike Schussler, who's my guest in People of Note. Was that song popular when you were at university, Mike? Um, it was actually when I went to the army that it became popular, and it was a, a very much a protest song. And here, this version is done by uh, Vusi Mala Sela, um, who I learned, um, or I got to know uh, you know, in the 90s and so on, and this is with the Soweto String Quartet. And I thought, you know, this is a great tribute uh, of one South African, uh, if you wish, or uh, one set of musicians of South Africa to another set. Because I think the, the song itself um, tells a story how scared we are. And things haven't really changed that much. We're still scared. We, 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 we are... Um, 
still in this um, situation where we haven't quite fixed the inequality. We haven't quite uh, done what we should have done. Um, this time, though, it's not the fault of, 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 of an apartheid government, but a democratic government, however. And I think, for me, this song um, says a lot about South Africa, uh, the people. We write great music here. We make great music. Um, we've had some very, very unique musicians uh, who've all over the world now, whether they are classical or whether they are rock. And uh, that's incredible to, you know, witness. And I think this song, because of its um, political content and also the feeling that the song provides me with, is that um, we, we've still got a way to go. It hasn't changed that much. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is interesting about that song also is that in the days when Nkosi Sikelele was banned from the airwaves at the SABC, somehow they worked it into that song uh, without people even noticing. It was uh, quite an interesting uh, statement, I think, that they worked Nkosi Sikelele into weeping. And it's an amazing song. And I've performed it often with orchestras, uh, not with Vusi Matlasela. I mean, I have worked with him, but not doing Weeping. But it's a great song. That was the choice of Mike Schussler, who's my guest in People of Note. Mike, what took you originally into economics? I started studying law, Richard, and um, somehow me and Latin didn't make it uh, <laughs> make good friends. And um, I had to find something out. So I started with transport economics and my other subject was then economics and what they call business economics. These days it's more called management theory or whatever. So I sort of liked economics more and more and that's when I decided I would rather do my honors degree uh, in economics rather than transport economics. Although I did keep up with the transport economic people because I knew a lot of them. And um, then uh, later um, I did a master's degree in economics and I just grew to like it a lot. I think it allows you, uh, it teaches you certain ways to think. And although economists disagree amongst each other and in public, um, we have certain um, rules that we can follow and you might follow one set of rules and I might follow another but we know where we come from and it makes for uh, interesting debates and interesting comparisons and I also think at the other end um, it allows you to see largely what works and what doesn't work in certain situations. Uh, we do know for example um, that, you know, if a country has a relatively good profit, it seems to attract more firms. Those more firms create more economic growth and they create more jobs. Uh, we don't always, uh, not all uh, maybe accept that in life, but, you know, we can see certain things or certain trends or, um, you know, when there's, there's famous relationships, uh, they don't always 100% work, but over time they do. Uh, and that would be between inflation and unemployment and the like. Um, and that's why banks do certain, or central banks make certain rules and regulations. That's why, or, or leave an interest rate unchanged. And yeah, 
So it gives you a way of thinking. Well, we're going to talk about jobs and unemployment, but also transport. But I want to listen to your next song now, which is a famous song by Queen called Don't Stop Me Now. That was the fabulous Don't Stop Me Now by Freddie Mercury and his team called Queen, the choice of Mike Schussler, who's my guest on People of Note. And Don't Stop Me Now should be uh, sort of a, a call sign for the economy, I think, because uh, <laughs> the, the economy, would you say our economy is in deep trouble, Mike? Yes, we are in deep trouble. We've got a few good things going for us. Our businesses are still cash flow positive. Uh, with other words, what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, the private sector is able to operate. Um, the fact of the matter is, however, where we are in trouble is that the size of our government and what it delivers to us is not so good. And the amount of government debt we have is not so good. Private sector debt is actually, and personal debt, it's much lower. You know, if you look at the, just an interesting fact, uh, you could say the government just doesn't want to stop spending. So don't stop me now. You know, I don't want to stop spending. That's government for you. <laughs> and if you look at the actual average family in South Africa, which uh, would have a debt of about, for themselves, of 102,000 rand on average. And government is saying, you know, we need debt counselors for this uh, crazy spending by uh, families and households. Um, yet, you know, when we say 102,000 rand for uh, in, uh, these individual families on average, government has 218,000 worth of debt for all of us. So who You mean per, per person? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Per, uh, per, per family, per 200 and um, yeah. 18,000 per family uh, versus the family itself yeah. having only 102,000, Richard, yeah. uh, in debt. Wow. So, and of course, we've got a lot of people without jobs also, like millions. Mm. Yeah. Well, how does a person without jobs doesn't get debt? Obviously, I yeah. do understand that. But the problem is that um, governments also made debt for them. So, you know, whichever way you look at it, it's two, uh, it's more than two times uh, the level that individuals have made. If yeah. you add the state and enterprises, it becomes nearly 2.7 uh, uh, times um, the amount of debt yeah. uh, that government is responsible for um, in, you know, in relationship to individuals. So it's not so a pretty picture. That, it tells you where the problem is. Yeah. And... Uh, we're going to, well, it's interesting that your next choice is the factory. Uh, just just talk to us about the factory and then we'll play it. Well, Warren Zevon is one of the most interesting uh, musicians from America. He was big friends with um, Bruce Springsteen. He did things together with Jackson Brown. And this, he, he, he did an album which everybody uh, knows. It's the Werewolves of London. There's actually a site on... Uh, Facebook it says Warren's even didn't only do werewolves of London and he was a great social commentator and this is about this guy going to work and working every day and 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 it's um, really just an, an ode to that monotonous work on the factory that that guy's doing and he goes home has food uh, sleeps goes to the factory again and uh, I think it's a, a a more political song by Warren Zevon, but Warren Zevon is an amazing uh, person to uh, get to know musically, but f especially 
ideas uh, around a lot of his lyrics. It's not um, just the factory, but you know, there's um, a, a, a thing. Uh, well, Muhammad's radio is about uh, a, a radio interfering in, in a, a political radio, like the Voice of America and so on. Uh, interference in in uh, the Middle East, and uh, you got right from there to where he's making uh, fun of fraudsters. Um, so an incredible mus uh, musician. This is more, let's say, a mundane choice of 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 thing in the sense of working, but it is about the working class um, that has to work every day, and it's a quite monotonous lifestyle that they go for. Here it comes, The Factory. That was The Factory by Warren Zevon, the choice of Mike Schussler, who's my guest in People of Note. And your next choice is appropriate for what I'm going to talk to you about now, because I've just been doing a road trip with my, my daughter and my granddaughter, and we went down to Cape Town, and I was amazed, because I'd, I haven't done that trip for a long time, I was amazed at the number of trucks on the road. And you said that you were a like a transport and freight uh, person, you know about that. And I, I can't imagine why they don't send a lot of that freight by rail. And maybe you can explain that to us. Well, uh, that is a, a problem in South Africa at the moment because a lot of the stuff should not be on road. And I do work for the Road Freight Association. So we shouldn't have, for example, coal trucks, we should have coal trains. Um, the reason that it's not there is because I think um, our um, rail uh, is just not able to compete. It doesn't drive fast. Uh, it's uh, some rails have even been stolen. Uh, the sub lines too many of these power stations have just gone missing. Um, so essentially in South Africa, there's three railway lines uh, that work um, and two of them are probably very profitable for Transnet Rail and that is the coal uh, line to Richards Bay and that is also then the iron ore line from uh, Kumba, uh, yeah. iron ore basically or Katu uh, to Saldana and then the other one is the Durban Johannesburg one, but there we believe that their market share has declined from about 28% 30 years ago to roughly only about 7.5% of sort of containers, you know, the general freight, Richard. Yeah. And uh, the reason for that is, I think, uh, that their costing has really risen in the last two or three decades, far above the inflation, making trucks more and more competitive. Um, not that they are more expensive than trucks, but because a truck can go straight to your door, um, you, you don't have to wait uh, 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 that extra length. And then the efficiency, very simple um, way of looking at rule of thumb uh, uh, without, uh, you know, uh, uh, big strikes or anything. A truck will do four, uh, 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 a round trip from Durban, Johannesburg and Durban uh, in four days. Uh, it takes 14 days for rail to do that. Yeah. So that gives one an idea. Uh, the the song, however, if I may just say this, is is a political song. Um, uh, uh, you know, David Cromer has been around for a long, long time, 
Um, I think, uh, you know, you go back to uh, Roger Lucy, who uh, many years ago did one of the first David Kramer songs. I didn't know it was David Kramer, uh, Kramer then, um, because it was all about, um, me think, um, it was um, about the lights of Robben Island. Uh, um, I'll... I'll I'll get it now, but it was really a, a powerful, I think, um, song. Yeah, that's let's just put it that way. And it and it and it told a, a, a story. And here we've got driver, driver, driver. You know, we're just five minutes to midnight. Our government debt is a huge problem, and it looks like you're not watching the clock. You're not watching this. You're not doing anything about it. And I think. It was written in 1986. We had the Rubicon speech. We just didn't get things. Um, the situation obviously is a bit different now. But again, government is five minutes before midnight in economic terms, not doing uh, its work. So here it comes. Driver, Driver by David Kramer at the choice of Mike Schussler. That was Driver, Driver by David Kramer a song written in 1986, chosen by Mike Schussler, who's an economist, and he's involved in various fields of the economy. And one of those fields, Mike, uh, must be homelessness. This can't be a good thing for the economy either. And I notice your next choice is Homeless with Ladysmith Black Mambazo. Uh, just talk to us about housing and homelessness in South Africa. Well, actually, the, Richard, there's a lot of good news in homes in South Africa, in one sense. We have about 14, 15% of our population in shacks, and you could say those people are homeless. Um, we have, however, about 70% of our population stays in, uh, let's call it formal housing, uh, brick, concrete, in either in flats or in houses with gardens or um, townhouses and, and the like. And it's actually quite a big number, I think, uh, for, for a developing country uh, to have. And then we have about 15% of people that stay in what they call traditional housing. Now, traditional housing sometimes does have uh, a brick wall. Um, and very often even has uh, toilets these days, but it's on a traditional land and it doesn't necessarily, uh, you've got usage rights, you haven't got necessarily, um, you know, selling rights to that. It's owned by the tribe or the, uh, the community and you stay there. Um, so the good news for South Africa is that, yes, 15% of people, 16%, um, stay in squatter camps and in informal housing, sometimes at the back of somebody else's house and the like. Um, but what we do have is we have 85% uh, or around there of people that have somewhere to stay. And if we think of that, then I think in terms of Africa, in terms of emerging markets, one of our strongest suites is the amount of formal housing that we have. Now we could say, yes, there's RDP houses, but what's interesting also, you know, we have 17 million families in South Africa. RDP houses are not quite 4 million yet, um, and they would be regarded as formal. But 
we have about six million, um, or just about six and a half million or so, uh, uh, people that stay in um, what Lightstone calls uh, sellable houses. So, with other words, uh, where there's a title deed, there's uh, not necessarily, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, all things are intact uh, that you can sell it, but it, it has a title deed, it has everything. Uh, that you would require, whether it's a townhouse or a flat and so on. And then, surprisingly enough, if you look at the houses versus flats debate, you know, you again come up with, oh, let's call it half a million to a million people stay in town, or families stay in townhouses and, and, and uh, the like, whereas about five million people stay in, in actual houses with gardens and uh, the like, and then about a half a million people only families and people families obviously is more people uh stay in flats so it is actually a stronger suite of ours um but i think you know it's something that we need to think about because there's still too many people that are homeless yeah but it's a great song paul simon with ladysmith black mambazo that was the famous song homeless performed by paul simon with ladysmith black mambazo and it's the choice of Mike Schussler, and you're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027, a program which is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. And, Mike, I notice your next choice. Perhaps we can go straight to your next choice, which is the famous Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Let's listen to it first, and, and then you can tell us all about it. Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. That was the classic song. Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Uh, why did you choose that one, Mike? Well, I always liked Leonard Cohen, but this version as such uh, just grew on me. And um, I read in a music magazine um, that this was rated by the critics to be the best version. And I got a version of it and I used to play it. I put together these mixed tapes. And now these days it's, um, you know, Apple streaming or uh, what's it, Spotify. And um, it always comes up in my favorites. Um, so I think it really is just such a feel of a song. And, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the lyrics are, are quite depressing. It's like economics is often known as a depressing social science. But it's also at the same time uplifting. If you if you listen to it, the feel, the whole um, moment in it. And for me, it really is something when I'm in deep thought and music is playing around me because I live like that. If I'm doing statistics, I like having music around me. If I'm writing, I like having music around me, Richard. But when this song plays, very much like one or two other songs that I have, in my mind sometimes, but I, I sort of realize halfway through the song, the song's playing. And then I sort of click on the song and I make it start again. And then I sort of take off and I listen and I enjoy that feeling of the song. I sing along a bit, probably falsely, um, <laughs> very much falsely. But to me, it's uplifting. It's, it's, it's you know, Leonard Cohen um, is, is such a a master of 
telling bad news in such an interesting way. I think uh, us economists can learn a lot from him. No, well, I, I guess that that's, that's what economists have to do a lot of the time, because very often the news that you talk about is bad news for people. I mean, how many... How many economies uh, are there that you can be really positive about all the time? Because the, the levels of debt around the world are pretty enormous. No, look, the, the, the debt in the world is a very big problem, and it's probably the number one problem for most countries. Our number one problem, obviously, is unemployment. But I think, um, you know, we have to, yeah, we have to sort of give bad news in presentations and so on. And also, you know, find opportunities because the, that's the other thing that um, I think people do the wrong thing. You know, when there's a, a disease, there must be a medicine for it. Um, when there's an, an economic crash, there must be opportunity in that crash or a way to fix it. And uh, it's, it's the way that you look at it. Not, let's not call it an economic crash. It's called it a stock market crash will leave some people very hurt, but other people will be able to pick up uh, things again. And that's sort of, in a way, the cycle of life. Um, it's not perfect, but, you know, when something goes wrong, there is a way to look at it anew and to do things. And yes, um, you know, uh, it's not always possible, but in 90% of the cases, I think, if you look at something, there is a way around. I mean, you are a conductor. You have musicians. A musician doesn't arrive. You have to perform. You make a plan, and things go on. And for the majority of the audience, they do not realize that there was one fewer violinist or uh, whatever they, they uh, you know, was missing. And, um, you know, maybe the, the, the backup singer had to do the lead vocals, but I think in most cases, your audience would still enjoy your music and still enjoy that moment. Although for you, it's panic stations because that person hasn't arrived. Yeah. And maybe that's what, in a, in a way, hallelujah is, you know, it's, it, or, or economics or whatever. It's that whole thing where we keep on looking at the bad news. We look at the high petrol price. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, you know, for someone who's now looking at how do I bring an electric car up? Well, it makes that electric car much more viable and it changes the future over time, if you understand what I'm trying to yeah, get yeah. at. So the one problem uh, is the seed for the next success. Yeah. And of course, um, our uh, power supplies have been a problem in South Africa. And yet <laughs> we, we've, got, we've got this uh, amazing amount of sun uh, and we could be using all sorts of things. Funny enough, on the road trip I was on when I was talking about the freight, I stayed with a friend deep in the Karoo. Uh, and he's just changed over from ESCOM to have his own power supply with uh, photovoltaic cells. And he's got more power than he can make do with. And, and yet he can't feed that into the grid, which is very sad. And I'm sure there's there's some some money to be made for entrepreneurs and individuals by producing power, but we're not allowed to for some reason. Just talk us, mm. but, but, but why don't we listen? Because the night <laughs> is your next mm -hmm. choice, which is quite appropriate because of power and lighting and so on. Let's listen to that and let's talk about 
our, our power supply. Here comes Because the Night. That was Because the Night, the choice of Mike Schussler, my guest in People of Note. So, Mike, talk us through power and energy. Well, you know, I look at South Africa and I do think we have missed a big opportunity, not just in solar, but, you know, our, our neighboring country, Mozambique, has um, one of the biggest gas fields in the world. I think they're now number eight um, in terms of the reserves of gas that they have. It's quite easy to get to. It's a bit away, but pipelines can be laid. And that could have, it would have been more environmental friendly uh, to have built, uh, instead of Kosile uh, and Madhub, to build gas to tie us over into the new age. Because gas um, is one of those things that you can switch on and off much easier, much like the petrol gas turbines that we're using in peaking. And it is also not as expensive as coal or nuclear to build. And it is a, a, probably uh, at least in the middle of our um, switch to renewable energy like solar and wind uh, until we have enough storage capacity, either in batteries or in dams or whatever, um, we could have used that. So that's the first thing I thought of uh, when I think of our electricity. The second thing I think is that, um, you know, we've made our electricity very, very expensive. We used to be some of the cheapest electricity in the world, and we had an oversupply of electricity. And it's almost as if these happy things that we had in the, in the late 80s to the early 2000s, we misused that whole situation. And then we didn't plan properly. Then we got hit hard uh, when we needed the power from uh, 2007, I think it was. Uh, where we had outages. We're now in 2021, which is literally 14 years later, and we still don't have enough power. And yes, solar is going to be part of the solution moving forward. Um, all renewables um, do have, uh, uh, to a large extent, a storage problem. You need to find a way to store the sunlight, if you wish, the energy you get for it in the nighttime, when you want people to have lights and watch TV and the like. And, uh, you know, very, we've got two big dams that do that. Um, but if I look forward to South Africa's other big problem, yes, we have unemployment, yes, we have debt. But the fact that, you know, we cannot build a new refinery. Um, I, was, I, I saw the, the report for when we were looking at Kucha to build a refinery there and Petro SA was going to get the money and the Saudis were going to put in billions of rands and everything. The fact is there was just not enough power because the refinery takes a lot of energy. And if one then looks at that electricity situation, it is a bit of a night situation where we have people um, that have not got jobs because there is not enough power. And we have a situation where we all get frustrated with blockout, uh, uh, blackouts or rolling uh, load shedding or whatever you want to call it. And it is a very, very um, big um, issue, I think. It's, it's not um, anything else but um, having had something so good, um, not saying it was perfect in the 70s, but by the 80s, South Africa had more than enough power. 
It had lots of power stations. It was a bit dirty, yes. But the electricity situation now with a country with so much sunshine, if we could have worked it around, a bit of gas, a bit more dams, and so on, we could have gone much more renewable uh, now. And we would have had ample time to have done that if we did start, say, 2002, 2003, uh, when we already saw that the situation was going to become a crisis because we were electrifying a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, today we were we were ahead. We had 90 percent of our population electrified. Today we're still at 90 percent, uh, but the world's come up from about 70 percent to 92 percent uh, at the moment. So, you know, we're, we've we've fallen behind there even. Yeah. Well, your, your next choice of music is very appropriate for solar power. Some comes up. It's Tuesday. That's an unusual song, Mike. Sun comes up, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday morning. Um, it's the Cowboy Junkies, and I got into them. Um, a, 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 a university friend uh, was listening to uh, an album called The Trinity Sessions. It's two brothers and a, and a sister and a friend um, who formed this band, and they probably have about 20 records out. They're not all brilliant um it was a bit repetitive towards the end but they've done very good versions of if you walk uh, walking after midnight for example um, comes to mind um the u2 song one they do a very very good version i was actually thinking maybe i should do that but because this goes back to their second album um you know it sort of says uh, well the boyfriend girlfriend whoever has left me it's fine um, the sun's still going to come up, and uh, yeah, it's it's okay. I forgot to put up the blinds. Um, it was me. It wasn't anybody else. I can only, but life's going on, and I think that's the uh, thing of this song. But it is a really, I think, a unappreciated band in many senses. They have really released a mountain worth of work. Um, they've done interesting concerts and church halls. Um, outside in sort of um, big windy settings, um, it's it's a really interesting stuff. Not that all of it is, as I said, brilliant, but overall, I think they have been one of the most productive um, bands that I I know from the modern era. Well, and talking of the sun coming up and things turning out okay, I was amazed at how quickly the stock markets recovered after COVID and they're pretty well back where they were and better now. How, just tell us what's behind that. Why did they recover as quickly as they did? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's the, the amount of money that central banks, especially in America, uh, Britain, Europe, Japan, have made available. Um, those are the reserve currencies of the world. Um, they positively, you know, have uh, pumped money and uh, uh, into uh, the economies. And sometimes it was the government straight that was helicopter money. Um, uh, the Americans last year gave every uh, working age person a thousand two hundred uh, dollar check. Uh, this year it's going to be everybody who earns less than a hundred thousand dollars. Um, will get a, a $1,400 uh, check just like that. 
And uh, at the same time, interest rates are low. So where do you put this money? The only way that you can use this money um, in savings is to go into the stock market. And quite frankly, it is a bit scary because I think um, last year in America, we went from uh, 29 million people in the stock market to 42 million in a year. We added nearly 50% more people that are interested in the stock market that actually um, trade in the stock market. And that's probably because a lot of those people were eh, put their money in banks first, and now the banks are not paying them an interest. So they're trying to look for a way. The other part is that a lot of young people um, who kept their work and who were working, let's call it, um, in the sort of technology economy, uh, making a lot of money, and with the money from the central banks flowing through the banking system, uh, bailing out a lot of companies, these guys sit with this money and they want to do something. So it's gone into the stock markets, which I think is a bit, at the other end, a bit careful to uh, right now. I'm a bit skeptical how long it can carry on. But yeah, look, we economists are often wrong. Um, but when interest rates are this low, you, you virtually have no choice but to go into something like stock market or commodities and so on. And these are the things that are picking up right now. And it's, it's, it's um, a, a vital uh, sign of the economy in one sense, maybe the stock market. But there is a difference between um, Wall Street and Main Street, as they say in America. And Wall Street's vital signs are great. The other problem is, however, is that mainstream or Main Street signs are also quite okay, but they are not as good. And that, at some stage, um, you know, will uh, need a different type of help than uh, the Wall Street help. And there's a lot of people are complaining that it looks like the central banks especially have acted more for Wall Street than they have acted for Main Street. That's yeah. maybe the best way to put yeah. it. And you talked about vital signs, and here comes vital signs. That was vital signs, the choice of Mike Schussler. Do you want to talk about vital signs, Mike? Yeah, it, 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 it's a very interesting band. The, the, the drummer were, um, uh, um, is a psychiatrist, and uh, he died recently, but he's also a unique lyricist, and it's very much about the human condition that they uh, sing about and um, they uh, all make music about. And I call it Baroque rock because it's not the full picture. It's, it's, it's a little bit limited. Um, and um, the music scope, the, 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 the scope of what they uh, do, and the, but it's very effective. The drumming, the way the lyrics work with the drums and the bass, uh, and obviously the guitar later, but is is very very interesting. Um, you know, when you look at some of the um, songs about fear and the uh, and and uh, things like that, it's it's very relevant and it's about people's feelings. And this is about you know that we all need confirmation from someone else. Um, and I think. Yeah, it's it's a very strong, let's call it behavioral uh, science sort of band. 
Um, maybe that's the best way to put it, but with a fantastic uh, beat. I'm talking to Mike Schussler, who is an economist, but as you can hear, a great music lover also. And he's talking to us about economics and also about the music that he's chosen for this program, People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. And as you can hear, I talk to someone who's really interesting and knows his subject. And we're coming up to a piece now called Hotel California. And I know this is not about the tourism industry, but hotels and Airbnbs and so on, I think have been having quite a tough time here, Mike. We've uh, yep. Tourism, of course, has been hit hard by the COVID lockdown, uh, but surely there must be something around the corner now that we're back to level one. I agree that tourism, Richard, has been hit very hard and leisure and travel um, just broadly all over the world, whether it's pubs, restaurants, um, music theatres, um, theatres, uh, hotels, everybody where we interact, the things that make life worth living, you know, that, that uh, play uh, that tears you apart, that um, interaction uh, that you have in a live music event that you really want to sing along with. Um, those are the things that have really been taken away during this lockdown and pandemic. And um, it's really terrible. And uh, yes, there is some hope now. There is a lot more hope. I'm just worried that this uh, thing that was uh, bounded about in international media more so uh, than we realize that uh, thing about the variants, the South African variant and the Brazilian one and so on, had everybody, you know, very scared. So they've banned a lot of countries have banned travel to us and from us. So that to me is is a bit of a worry and it will probably take more than a year for it to come back, the international tourism. I do, however, think that the local tourism uh, will come back uh, in the next while. There will be shorter holidays, however, but I, I think um, it's definitely turned the corner. Um, it's not going to mean that everyone's going to be profitable uh, at all. Um, I've heard of very high-end hotels, um, such as uh, the the one uh, the Hilton at the Conference Center in KwaZulu Natal, um, the 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 Radissons in some of our um, smaller cities like PE, under severe pressure and closing and so on. And that will, that's uh, all very much on maintenance. Um, it, it's a very big w a worry I have because tourism was the one great hope for South Africa. And I think we'll get there again, but it will take two years or three years to get back. And people are strange. We'll forget about the disease. Um, I'm sure within a year, you know, nobody will be talking COVID much. But it will still stick with people that maybe you don't want to go traveling that far. There will always be that fear factor for some people. But two, three years down the line, it will look differently. And South Africa, you know, one of the few things um, or areas that we did very well in, we got 2.7% of our GDP. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but I just want to say it from um, long-distance tourism. So... 
people that traveled, say, more than 10,000 kilometers or 9,000 or whatever the criteria was. And we were ahead of Australia and New Zealand in, in that. Yes, they attracted more people, but as a percentage of the economy, ours was bigger. And I think we had a lot of potential, especially if we took in the countries around us and we made it a one-visa uh, place for the Saku countries and Namibia, Botswana, Lesotho and Swaziland, South Africa. Um, we could have really done very, very well. Instead, we've got airlines um, folding, whether it's SAA or Enamib. Um, it It's really something to to worry about, I think, um, in, in, in what's happened. But it will, and you're right, um, it's 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 just poised now for me to come back. It's just a matter of time, and that's the unfortunate thing. That time is definitely not a month. It's it's definitely at least a year, if not two years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, in the meantime, you can sing along to Hotel California. That was Hotel California, the choice of Mike Schussler, my guest in People of Note, and perhaps uh, the next song could be appropriate for this part of the conversation as well, because it's wish you were here so two songs close together there hotel california and wish you were here just talk to us about wish you were here mike well it, if there's a lyric that sticks to my mind sometimes uh, some of those lyrics would be pink floyd and this one i first had um you know another brick in the wall but i think everybody knows that but this one's got that line we're like two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year and um, it's, it's, for me, uh, a very powerful thing that says we keep on doing the same things. And uh, that's, that's, to a large extent, life. Um, you know, I'm an economist, you're a conductor. Uh, we, we, we do the sun. And, but we all need each other as well. And we have to swim in this fishbowl. And I want to go back one step here, though, and that is just to say, the, the thing about life that makes life worth living is not because you eat and sleep and watch boring television. It is because there are other things in life. There's maybe a sports game that really is close, a cricket match or a rugby game or a football game or whatever it is, or maybe it's a bicycle race, or is it a, 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 a really good concert when you listen to a, a very great... Uh, uh, you know, musician, and you uh, are enthralled by the music, and you 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 experience something, and that I think is maybe uh, more so with us. And yes, COVID, we have a lot of people that died, and we probably wish they were here. Yes, we have everything, but actually, I'd like to change it in my mind a bit to wish we were there, wish we had concerts, wish we had um, those little places open that where somebody played some jazz or, you know, I always imagine going to New Orleans, I guess, never been, um, but where you see that, that person, that, 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 that interaction with life and that explaining of things or um, that really funny comedian um, one-man show. Those are the things that I think um, we all need at least once a month. And uh, it, this COVID took it away, and I wish it was here. I wish 
I wish we were here having a concert. I wish I could see you at the Kloofendal Amphitheater again. You know, those are the things I, I think this is just talking from the heart, but really yeah. something I would like to see. Um, it is what, what it is, I guess, but I wish uh, we were here. I wish we were seeing things, being things, and being human again. Well, there are some green shoots just beginning to spring out. And uh, last Friday, we did a, a small concert in a shopping center in Morningside. And maybe there are more of those to come. And certainly with Level 1, we can do some uh, things outside. And we're, we've got some planning going for that. But to do all the things we really need to do, we need eight days a week. And that's your next choice. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm a very big fan of some English um, bands. And I think the Beatles, I really, you know, it was the first record that I really can remember buying um, with my pocket money. It was called Beatles for Sale. Um, it, you know, I was, uh, 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 it was already there for, you know, more than a decade. Um, my parents had a, a record player and they had one or two other Beatles songs, but uh, Beatles for Sale was my album. And, uh, you know, I can, I, I learned everything. They'd gone everywhere around the world, been touring, and they had very little time. And they put everything together in a, in a quick, um, you know, um, few days that they put the songs together and the studio together and everything. Um, but it is a song about, yeah, uh, time in a different way. We just don't always have and i think it's uh says something about working hard it says something about um our hectic lives that we lead after i guess uh, the second world war i think life became a lot quicker and it's becoming quicker every day and yeah it's very appropriate eight days a week that was eight days a week by the famous beatles uh, i certainly remember when those songs first came out and we're getting towards the end of the program now, and uh, we've got time for one more song. So, Mike, just give us some some short predictions. I know it's very hard to do predictions of what's going to happen. Do you think we're going to have another wave of COVID after Easter, maybe? Or do you think we're past that now? Are we past the worst? I think we're past the worst because the National Blood Service has said that in the four provinces that they measured, and remember one of them was in Northern Cape, which had a very low number, uh, they measured uh, a 53% of the people that had COVID. Uh, most obviously didn't know it. They had antibodies. We always know that there's a, a, a few percent, we don't know how many, that won't get it. So. You know, where does the virus go to from here? We prob And that was, uh, let's say, in the middle of January when this was done, uh, the research up to the 25th of January. Uh, now we're a bit further, probably means that we're closer to 60% uh, of our population has had COVID in one form or another. So I don't think the next wave, if there is a wave that I don't know, but can be quite as big. It won't fe find so many people. And we've got the vaccine. And hopefully we can um, get the, the vulnerable people, though people over 60, 65, uh, in, uh, and obviously the nurses and, and the like, um, 
and the doctors uh, the, uh, injected and uh, vaccinated. And I think uh, we've got 11 million uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccines coming, um, many of them in the second quarter. Um, so hopefully, you know, if it is a winter wave, um, say July or June, by then we will have, you know, 10%, and that will be the most vulnerable 10% of the population uh, vaccinated. And uh, that could make all the difference in the world. Um, I certainly don't think we can afford another going back. Uh, we can maybe go back to level three, but not three plus. Um, you know, the, the, the economy has really had its heart ripped out. But having said that, you know, this year is going to be good growth. Um, it's not going to take us quite back to where we were in 2019. That will only happen after 2024, according to the Reserve Bank and Treasury themselves. So, uh, uh, or around 2024-25. And um, the point of the matter is that um, we're on our way back. It's not perfect. We've got a heck of a lot of debt now. Uh, the world has. Uh, it's going to be take years to, to work through this, very much like after the Second World War, I guess. But one must remember that after the Second World War, there was an adjustment period. But the 50s was one of the growth periods of uh, the world. And I think we're not quite there yet, but maybe we have another decade like the 50s in, you know, after four or five years of, of struggling through and, and rebuilding the, the world economy as such and at least getting the debt to... Uh, uh, as a percentage of our GDP to start declining, and then hopefully the the world comes back um, with a lot more growth, a lot more stability, and again we lift the last lot of people. You know, the one thing about the world economy, when we're talking about a sad science like mine, um, that people forget is that today only about 12% of the world's population or well, that's actually old news, it's probably 10% or less, um, is in absolute poverty. With other words, people that have less than 12 rand a day, that's $1.90 in purchase power parity terms, um, that is absolute poverty. Um, and that's dropped, and in the 50s, that was near 70% or 60%, and we made great strides after that. Um, it's only recently that after the, the, the financial crisis in 2008 and now with COVID um, that those figures didn't go down quite as much. They stabilized a bit. They went down a bit, but not at the speed that they were before. If we were at the speed that they were before, um, say in the, in the middle 2000s, um, we would have probably had less than 1% or 2% of the world's population um, you know, in absolute poverty. Uh, otherwise, you can always talk about relative poverty, of course, but I think that's one of the main success th stories in modern history um, that we've measured quite well. So, a, a good place to finish the program will be feels like home, because it would be wonderful to be on our way back home again to a sound economy and good living with concerts and leisure and places to go. So let's listen to Feels Like Home. That was Feels Like Home, the final choice of Mike Schussler in People of Note tonight. That's the program you've been listening to for the last couple of hours. Now, I just want to say thank you to Mike Schussler. Thanks, Mike, for being on the program. 
Thank you, Richard, for having me. It's a great pleasure. And we hope that uh, all your predictions will come true, that we'll come out of this, and I guess we'll come out of it stronger and better people for having struggled through it. So there so too. Yeah, yeah. So there we are. That's, the concerts. That's yeah, we need those back again. So thanks very much. Thank you also at home for listening and until next time from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night and a good week ahead. <laughs>